evening. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. I was told not to labor long tonight because someone has a click list order to pick up after church. So I'm going to try to keep that in mind here. (laughs) Psalm 61, starting in verse number 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. From when my heart is overwhelmed, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we again thank you for this opportunity uh, to dive into your word. Lord, a psalm that is written to bring encouragement here to our hearts about how to behave when it seems that we're far from you. God, I pray that you'll be with us this evening. I know through the illness of flesh, many could not be here this evening. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen them. Those who are away from the house of God this evening and who are not ill, Lord, I pray that you prick their hearts and know that there are people here at the church who miss them and long to worship with them. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. We magnify your name this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a little boy who greatly missed his father. The father was separated from the family for a long time because of the father's military duty. The boy was comforted by a picture of his dad that sat in a frame on his nightstand. When he was frightened at night, he would stare at the picture and imagine that his daddy was watching over him. One night when the boy was afraid, he rolled over and grabbed the picture from the nightstand and looked into the picture. But for some reason, looking into the picture this evening just didn't seem to help. At this time, He began to weep, and his mother heard him weeping in the other room, and she came into the room and asked Billy what was wrong. Through the tears, little Billy answered, and he said, I just want Daddy to come out of the frame. I don't know if you've ever been like this before, where where you're troubled, where you're afraid, where, where you know that your Heavenly Father is real, where you know that He is what the Bible says about him. He is good to us, benevolent towards us. He loves us. Where we know what the word of God says about God, that he's faithful to us, that he's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. 
And yet, somehow, in the midst of battling in this life, we become so overwhelmed in the situation that we're in. We find ourselves so overwhelmed that we cry out to God. And even though we know he is real, we begin to develop in our mind. Because we don't get the answer that we want, that we don't get the response in the time that we want, that we kind of feel like little Billy. We know that God is real. We know that our Heavenly Father looks over us, but somehow in our mind, he is stuck in the framework of this book. We long for this moment where God will just come out of the Word of God and touch us in our lives. We know he's real by his readings, but we want to feel his impact in our life. We find ourselves in a place where we know that God is real, but we wonder if God really hears our call. We, we feel that he knows our pains, but it seems like he doesn't hear our pains when we lift them up to him. We feel for a moment that it just seems that God doesn't really hear our needs. We're hurting, but it seems like God is just far away. This psalm was written at a time in David's life where he says he felt that God was far away from him and he was far away from God. But never lose sight of this as we work through Psalm 61. Though David felt like he was far away from God, he never stopped believing that God was the answer to his problems. He just felt that he was separated from him. He had to figure out how to get back to God. And that's where we all have to get this evening. Uh, this psalm is really to the, to, the, to the believer who has found himself wandered to a distant land in reality of worship. This is not about geographical. This is about spiritual. The psalmist just takes a geographical meaning and applies it to a spiritual setting so that we can understand what it means when our heart is broken about being away from God. This psalm was penned by David the time in which it was pinned and why it was pinned were really uncertain. There are many people who believe for a hundred different reasons why David pinned this psalm. But I, I don't believe the historical context is matters as much as what the spiritual context matters here in this psalm. David said he was in a time in his life where he said that there was a distance between him and God. How do we know that? In verse number two, he said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Even more in verse number four, he says, not only from the end of the earth do I cry unto thee, he is positionally putting himself distant from God. But in verse number four, he says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. Meaning he is looking for this opportunity where he will one day be able to be with God again in his tabernacle. He's not only separated from God, but he's separated from his place of worship. Which suggests even at this time that this was probably a time in David's life where he was separated from Jerusalem and could no longer dwell in the tabernacle. 
But in the spiritual condition David experienced here, whatever his geography was, David was at a place where God was far away. Geography is not always what puts distance between us and God. Some of the most backslidden people in the world are sitting in pews this evening. Hearts far from God. Psalm 61 says David wanted more than to return to Jerusalem. David wanted more than another opportunity to worship in the tabernacle. He longed for a greater sense of God's loving presence in his life. He longed for a greater moment in his life where he could fully see that God's protective care was upon him. Even in this moment in verse number two, where he really sets out to say that he is overwhelmed and fatigued, he sets out to say even more that he wants to experience God's strengthening grace. I say all that, amen, hallelujah, that's what I need in my life. That's where we should all be, waking up day by day, knowing that we are protected by God, knowing that we are loved by him, knowing that he seeks to strengthen us. So he prayed that this distance would be transformed into a place where he could feel God's presence again. In so doing, David shows us what to do in our own lives when God seems far away. The first approach David says in the reality that God seems far away from him. In one word, David recognized in his heart that God was not where he used to be in his life. And he also recognized when it came to worship in the house of God, he was not where he once was. And David said, you know what he did? He prayed. He, hear my cry, oh God, attend unto my prayer. David says the first thing that you have to do when you recognize that your heart is far away from God, when you recognize that you're not in the place that you used to be, the first thing you have to do in this path of regaining this ground is pray unto God. You can never be so far away that God cannot hear you when you call. Matthew Henry wrote, wherever we are, we have liberty to draw near to God. It would seem that the psalm, is, the psalm gives us two ways to pray when we are far away from God. First of all, David prays with confidence in all that which God has already done. His prayer here, and really in verse number three and four, he said, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Too many times we spend our days and moments in prayer thinking about all the things that God has not done in our life. We think about all these times in prayer where God just hasn't seemed to answer the one simple petition that I put before him daily. 
We spend our time worrying and harping upon God about how he's come short in our prayer life and not had, have not yet approached our prayer life, praising God for all that he has done in our life. David, in this moment where he recognizes that his heart is far from God, where he's far from the place of worship that he has been. He, in this prayer where he's crying out to God, first speaks with confidence about all the things that God has done. He said, you sheltered me. You've covered me in your wings. You've been my refuge. In times past, you have taken me to a, a rock that is higher than I. But here in this verse, David says, though I recognize with confidence that you have done all those things in time. He says here. about. Prayer is all about our concerns, our stresses, our desires reaching the right people's ears. Prayer is about our problems and concerns making it to the throne room of grace. When troubles come in my life, if I call someone and unload upon them, you know what happens? I'm exhausted from unloading this great burden, but the burden is still there. When David feels this burden upon his chest, he's not looking for sympathy about this burden. He's looking for the burden to be lifted. We are called to cry out to God, but oftentimes in our Christian lives, we cut God out. I can't tell you how many times this is not just uh, this is not just a common conversation amongst believers, but I can't tell you how many times when we get together and have breakfast as preachers, where preachers will say, "I am discouraged. I didn't feel no power in my preaching. I didn't feel any power even in the prayer time, in the singing, in the worship. It felt dead, and I'm worried that it was me." Yet. When it comes around and said, have you sought God's face about it this morning? The, the grim reality is we hang our heads and say, no. This psalm is a reminder to us all that when we are far from God, Satan has a way to want to work in our minds to keep us estranged from God, even in prayer. 
But the reality is when we find ourselves away from God, the first thing we have to do is not cut God out, but cut God in on the problem. Seek his face first. Ask him. Cry out to him. You know, I, I have some good friends. I'm thankful for these good friends. I was asked to speak at this upcoming uh, event for Keith Duncan, and I've been thinking and pondering about all those things that I, that I want to say there, you know, and I've come to this new reality that it's not true the things they say to you, that the, the only friends that you have when you grow up is the friends that you have when you're a kid. I'm thankful for these people. God has blessed me with friends later in life. But you know what? About these friends, these good friends, even my good childhood friends, you know what's true about them? They could not hear me from the other end of the earth. David says, hear my cry, oh God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. David so distance. He described the spiritual distance, the spiritual situation in a geographical manner, and he says he found himself in a remote part of the earth. What is the emphasis? The emphasis, it says, he feels like he could not get any further from God. David called out to the Lord. You see, the world tries to make God like us. They attempt to make God like us as an attempt to try and help our feeble minds understand who God is. In reality, God is incomprehensible. We cannot understand who God is and how God works. David said, I was at a distance from God. And even if it was geographical on top of spiritual, David emphasizes, when I cried out from the distance, God heard me. There is no place that we can be even in our own lives, in our own prayer lives, where God cannot hear the cries of his children. Even more, David says in verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He says here in verse number 2, When my heart is overwhelmed. When in my teens I worked on the other side of Spring Grove Cemetery here at Cook's Greenhouse. I worked there for several years and it was a great job until winter time came. Because winter time came, it got dark at 6, 6.30. I got off at 6.30, which means I was going through the cemetery in the dark. I can't tell you how many hymns I sang running through there in fear when I heard something. I mean, you couldn't believe the monsters that I imagined lurked in the bushes that I was running from cutting through that cemetery. But I can remember one time that I uh, got spooked early on. I'm an easy scare. The problem is talking me down. I made it all the way to the wall here on Winton Road, and you know, there's like that little two-foot piece of grass. I jumped over that wall, landed in that grass, and laid there for 30 or 40 minutes, thankful that I didn't get attacked by whatever vicious beast was sitting in the woods waiting for me. But as I was regaining my composure, I was totally exhausted. 
That is exactly what this word means here in verse number two. When my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart has reached this place of exhaustion. When there's nothing else to give. When it's completely depleted. When there's nothing else for me to put forth. David said, my heart, not only was I separated from God, but there was literally nothing else in me to give. I was completely overwhelmed. Whether in reality it was him on the run from Absalom, or whether in reality it was him on the run from Saul, whatever the situation may be, David had found himself where he had nothing else to give. He said, but even though there was no strength in my voice, even though I was in this far place, even though I was separated from you, even though I was completely exhausted in the weakness of my voice, I cried out unto you and you heard me. We may all have a matter like this this evening where you feel like you're running out of energy dealing with it. This situation in your life that you're praying about, that really and truthfully, you're tired physically, you're tired emotionally, you're tired of spiritually, of just handling it. You're tired of it afflicting your mind, afflicting your spirit. You began to wonder, why am I even experiencing this in my life? It's bad enough to be at the other end of the earth, but... Lord, I don't even know how to bring this to you. The psalmist says, when you're overwhelmed and you're far away, cry unto God. Ask God to help you. That's what he does here in verse number two. From the end of the earth will I cry unto you when my heart is overwhelmed. And this is where he cries for God to help him. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We are in desperate need of God's protection to help us. David uses really three wonderful pictures to describe how God protects his own children. First, he says, God is a rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David's prayer here is recognizing his own human inadequacy. He is incapable of escaping this situation. He is incapable of getting out of it. David affirms that he is in need of divine help. David needed a rock because he was weak. He, he felt shipwrecked. He felt that he could not swim to safety. He felt that there was no help in sight. He couldn't see the lighthouse in the distance. There was no uh, light telling him that the shore is just ahead. His only hope was to get to a rock to which he could hold on. Uh, but look at his prayer here. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David said, I don't need to be clinging to a rock that I can get a hold of. Because if I'm clinging to a rock that I can get a hold of, though the rock may be firmly planted, I'm still going to be battered by the waves. If I'm clinging to the rock that I can get a hold of, there's still a risk of me being washed back out to the sea. 
If I'm clinging to the, the rock that I can get a hold of, then there's a chance that I still may be overwhelmed. But he said, lead me to the rock, the rock that is higher than I. David said, take me to a place of safety where I can't be overwhelmed no more. Take me to a place of safety where I'm not going to be washed out into the sea. Take me to a place of safety where the waves will no longer crash into me. He also says here that God is a strong tower. This is the second reason to which David gives for why he asked God to lead him to a high rock. God had been a strong tower against the enemy. A strong tower serves the same purpose as this refuge. He said, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower for the enemy. David says, not only have you been a shelter for me, meaning to say, not only have you been in my own personal life, a place where I have been able to find safety, but he said, you've been a strong tower. The difference between a shelter and a strong tower is a shelter is where you go to escape the enemy. A strong tower is where you go and you find not only safety there, but you find armament to face the enemy. This strong tower, he said, was what gave him the ability to fight off the enemy. Verse number four says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wounds, Selah. You need the presence of God's help. First, the first we see that God's presence satisfies. He said, I will dwell in thy tabernacle forever. You see this? He is estranged from God. He is in a place that is far away from him. And when he imagines restoration, what's on his mind? Is it the throne? No. Is it the king's meal? No. Is it the restoration of his power? No. When he thinks about being restored, he said, when I get back, I'm not running to the throne to sit on the throne. When I get back, I'm not running to the king's table. When I get back, I'm running to the tabernacle. He said, it satisfies me. It sustains me. The thought of being with God's people in your tabernacle, worshiping you for all the rest of my days, satisfies my heart. That's troubling when we think about our own lives. The reality that God, at times, you know, we're here, but we're longing to be out of here. We come here at times to punch a ticket. We come here to do our church duty as we fulfill the role. And in reality, we should arrive here do everything we can to get here because coming here and worshiping God satisfies and sustains our hearts. And when it doesn't satisfy you, and when your desire isn't to get here, it says something is wrong with you. Not that there's something wrong with God. He said here, God's presence sustains. He said, I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. You've been my refuge. Now he says, let me find safety under 
your wings. It is said that a mother bird will allow her babies to play out in the open. But when a predator comes about or when a storm is coming in, she will call her babies to her. She'll call the babies to the, herself. And as she calls them to herself, she will open up her wings and hide her babies under the shelter of her wings. And we, though we may not fully understand this, listen, actually we was talking about it this morning. That God is incomprehensible. We cannot fully understand who God is. So, as we talked about even this morning before Sunday school, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel says that the color around the throne was like unto amber. The one, there was something there that was like unto the throne. He, everything is a reference. He's, he's, when, when the word of God uses our language to explain who God is, he first starts at a place where we do understand and bridges a path to what's that we do not understand. If that makes any sense. But we cannot comprehend God. So even more here when David says this, even more in Psalms 17 and verse 8, David said, keep me as the apple of thy eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Now, does this mean that God has wings? I don't understand. But I understand what he's trying to point to. That in God is safety. In God, in his arms, we are protected from the storm. In his arms, we are protected from the enemy and that which awaits us in this life. Here in verse 6 and 7, he said, reminds himself that I got to trust the promises of God. And so should we. That's where we really have to get. We have to get there even in our own lives. When we start looking at this situation, oftentimes the things that lead us to a distant place from God is our, un our dissatisfaction with where we are in our Christian lives. We want to be somewhere else, but hey, God's let us down. And that leads us to a place where we're not satisfied with him. David said, I had to get back to a place where I started banking again about all that God has done. And then I had to get to a place in my life where I reminded myself of the promises that he gave me in his word. Six and seven. Thou will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations he shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. Now, God had made promises clearly here to David, and David had reminded his heart with them and baked on them. And it is the same even in our own lives when we arrive at a place where we feel like our heart is far from God. We have to arrive at the place that we really don't understand our God. Because if we would just bank on our promises, we'll understand that he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We understand that we're never out of his care. We're never out of his control. That God, as we said even this morning, is even in the storms of our life, he's continuing to chisel away at us to bring forth this poema, this workmanship, this construction that will bring greater glory to him. 
that only comes about when we bank on God's promises. He says, after I began to bank on God's promises, verse number eight, he said, I was refreshed. I was refreshed again when I remember who my God was. I was refreshed again when I remembered all that my God has done for me. And I was refreshed again. I started off in this psalm crying out to you. And I ended this psalm praising you. He said, verse number eight, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. The key to the closing of this psalm is really that opening word, so. So, in the Old Testament, I love how he says, let the, <laughs> let the redeemed say so. Well, you're facing problems, so. So you got troubles? So. Well, the doctor said so. Well, so. Let the redeemed say so. What does it matter? God is in control. What diagnosis, what problem, what war, what battle can this world even really give us? So. To be absent from this body in the end is to be present with the Lord. So it ain't that bad after all. So I will, will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. With a sense of determination, David concludes, as he started off with the voice of crying out unto God, he closes this with a determination, like, hey, you know what? God's not far from me. I'm far from him. But because I was far from him, I have had a reality check. And with this great determination, I will praise his name. In fact, he determines his response before the prayer ever ends. No matter what happens, God is still worthy of our praise. God is really never far from us. The reality is, is that we find ourselves at a place far from God. That's not where God wants us. But David says, the reality is when you find yourself there, it's because you haven't banked on two things. You ain't banked on all the promises I've given you thus far. And you have not banked on um, you haven't banked on the promises that I've given you thus far. You haven't banked on the times that I've kept you safe thus far. You, you, you forgot who I am to you. I love that song that says, I can hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all and all. That is the truth of it all. We are only going to find our all in all in him. And on our best day, we are just children of weakness. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly father, Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, Lord. I pray that if there will be someone here who at this time in their life has found themselves what they feel to be far from you. God, I pray that you work in our hearts, bring us close to you, revive us again, fill our hearts with your love. May our souls be rekindled with fire from above. Lord, 
Give us the strength today that we walk out of here, Lord, revived, revitalized, and ready to live for you. We give thanks to you for all that you have done. We praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the Whitman Place Baptist Church. Thank you for those who are here. Strengthen those who are here. Strengthen those who couldn't even be here, Lord. Revive us again in this age in which we live to be a light for you in this lost and dying world. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.